Hi, I'm Stacy. I love chatting about how to find our callings, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in a coffee shop. You can connect with me on social media at Stacy Summerow and subscribe to StacySummerow.com for a free discernment packet called How to Make the Right Choice. God's adventure awaits, my friend, and I am thrilled you're on the journey with me. Yes. Nora says hello to all her fans. For those who are tuning in the first for the first time, Nora is eight months old now, and she spent the first half of her life in the NICU. So, yes, we've been out of the hospital for almost as long as we were in it. You want to tell them what you've been up to? No? Oh, now we're quiet. Okay. Well, I'll tell you. Nora can roll over. She can sit up. She is doing lots of occupational, physical, and speech therapy, and she is just rocking it. She is smiling all the time. She just started laughing the other day, and we are seeing some uh, some delays from her cerebral palsy, which is a lifelong condition, but with a lot of therapy, she is just really doing incredible, and um, we really are so blessed that she has come so far, right? Are you a champion? Yes. So I wanted to give you guys that update because I know a lot of people have been following along with Nora's journey through the NICU and our whole family. So thank you all for your continued prayers. Thank you so much. We are having a big test coming up here later this month to find out if her hearing has returned or if this is permanent hearing loss. And from there, we will start to, uh, depending on the, the test results, we may need some further interventions to help restore her hearing. So many prayers for that, please. Today we are talking to, I am talking to, Sonia Corbett, who is an incredible author. I say this about all my authors. I love reading books from uh, New Catholic books, but this one is particularly relevant for now. If you are going through any sort of a desert in your life and you're wondering where God is in the struggle, this is the episode for you. Sonia talks about finding manna in the desert, just like the Israelites, and it parallels our whole spiritual journey uh, through our personal deserts, paralleling the Israelites' journey uh, back in, uh, you know, when they were released from Egypt before they found the promised land, and what the desert is for, and uh, what, what we need to learn while we're in the desert. Such an incredibly rich conversation, and her book is also incredible. So I'm so excited to dive into that. But first, I would like to recommend that you check out today's episode sponsor, which is catholicmatch.com. Nora, do you remember when you were in the NICU and some of your beautiful nurses are on Catholic Match? Do you remember that? There's some beautiful Catholic nurses, absolutely gorgeous women, and they are on Catholic Match. So... People listening to this, let me tell you, you might want to hop on there. <laughs> Nora is smiling. Yes, you remember your beautiful nurses. Well, we, um, uh, my husband and I met on Catholic Match, and I always say that just because first-person testimony is, there, there's nothing like it. Um, and obviously, our three children, our three beautiful children that we love are a result of that platform existing. So... We are living proof that it works. And I also know a lot of other couples who have met through Catholic Match. And if you're going through a singlehood struggle and singlehood journey and you need a little refreshment, a little dew in your desert, um, then do check out Instagram as well, Catholic Match on Instagram. I'm going to put a link in the show notes so that you can go follow them. They give great dating advice, uh, great sustenance on, on dating well. And you can get a free profile started by going to catholicmatch.com slash called and caffeinated. 
And when you set up a free profile, there's no obligation, no commitment. It just takes a couple minutes to set up a profile. All right, now let's get to our episode with Sonia Corbett. Sonia, it's so nice to have you on Calling Caffeinated. Welcome. Good morning. I am excited to be here. Thank you. Yes. And we are actually recording in the morning, which is somehow a bit rare for my show. So I have my morning cup of joe with some uh, pumpkin spice uh, creamer in it. Are you, are you are you a coffee drinker by chance? I am, and I've had three cups already. I was up really, really early with an early 6.30 interview. So, yeah, I already, I already <laughs> got mine. Oh, well, welcome. So, uh, what calls have you received from God in your life so far, and what has receiving those calls looked and felt like for you? Oh, that's an excellent question. Um, well, <laughs> the first one I would say is to my first vocation, which is my husband and my kids. Um and that's really all I ever wanted. I had a, a very difficult relationship with my dad. And and part mm-hmm. of it was that I always felt this pressure to be somebody, you know, and, and to him that didn't include being a wife and mother, but that's really all I wanted. That's all I wanted. And so because of that difficult relationship with my dad, and I can't believe I'm, I'm getting teary about this, but um, I remember standing in the back of the church the day I was going to get married. And I, I just... I just knew there was going to be an earthquake and the floor was going to open up and I was not going to make it down to the, the, to make my vows. And, and of course I did. And it was, you know, um, and then we, we didn't have kids until about five years later. Um, but that, that was the first gift that I got from God was the answer to that. Mm -hmm. And of course I have nothing has made me more happy and more fulfilled than being a wife and a mom. Um, But about I'd say five, six years in um, to that, that's when I received my second call, what uh, mother Teresa called a call within a call. Mm -hmm. And I was doing, I was doing Bible study in my home privately. And I felt very clearly that God had called me to write and teach Bible studies. And I mean, I didn't know anything. I I still don't, but I definitely didn't then, you know, and I was, but I was so excited about it. You know, I'm like, Oh my gosh, really? So that just felt, it felt, it was, it was such a gift then, although it was, it was a difficult gift, which I didn't know at the time. Um, trying to pursue that promise but um, it has I'm in the promised land now and so looking back on all of that those are probably my two calls and then I would say in between there though was the call to healing and all of that sort of went together with where I am now so I can't say that any call that I've ever received from God has been easy but definitely the most worth, worthwhile things I've ever done in my life. Love it. That's such a great lead in for all of my other questions, because um, we're going to touch on your journey to becoming a published author and um, healing your relationship with your father. And it's all here in this beautiful book. I have your book right here. It's called Just Rest. It's absolutely exquisite. I was telling you off air that every time I finish a, um, a section, I say to my husband, oh, I have to put it down and reread it because there's so much in there. It's so rich. And, um, you know, I picked up the book thinking like, oh, maybe it's going to be like a testimonial of encouragement. And oh my goodness, it goes so deep into scripture and so deep into every um, every facet of what you could possibly pull out of what is a very small part of scripture. And um, you made it into an entire book. So it's absolutely gorgeous. And my d- listeners should definitely pick up a copy. But 
in the beginning, you go into talking about what the desert is, and it's all about finding God in the deserts of our lives. And you define desert um, as kind of a fertile emptiness and a fruitful wasteland, which is seemingly contradictory. So can you explain that for us? Well, that's, that's the part that makes us panic, is that what we see is absolute nothingness. It's dark. It's desolate. There's no consolation. There seems to be no provision. It is the the scariest place you can possibly be in your life. And yet, what we know is that all things are possible with God. And because that's true, when there's nothing else, there's Him. And when there's nothing else to cling to, and He's all there is, there's everything possible. I know it's a contradiction, but that's the whole point of it. If you can, if you can relax a little bit into the panic, <laughs> if you can do that just a little, the mustard seed, if you can do that just a little, everything sort of opens up into this entirety of possibility. And I know that sounds so bizarre, but it's the absolute truth. You can't have all the possibility when you already have the thing, right? Mm -hmm. When you have the thing, then you have the thing and there is no other possibility. But when you're in that sort of suspended state where you're waiting on God to do anything, something, where are you? Nothing's here. That's the place where everything is possible. And if we can lean into that and uh, allow him to give us what's in his heart and mind, it will blow our minds every single time, every time. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the demanding the thing we, we think we need and the thing that we want that causes the lack of all of the plenitude and possibility that is actually there. Mm-hmm. Once we get the one thing, we can't have the possibility anymore. So leaving the possibility open and being willing to receive whatever we get from God, we just get we get blown away every time that we allow him to do that. Yes. Um, I love that so much. What would you say to someone who's in the middle of a desert right now and is saying, well, it's not just that I want something. I actually need this thing. I need a job. I need housing. Same, same principle applies. Well, yes, yes. But I'll I'll just add a little more completion to that because the point of the desert is to provoke that panic over the stuff we need because that is meant to draw us to God himself. It's meant to draw us into a dialogue. This is what I need. I don't have it and we'll die without it. <laughs> so yeah. so I I need you to do anything, Lord, just something, you know. And when we go to him that simply mm-hmm. and we we open that circumstance up to him fully through prayer and through the willingness to just receive from him without demanding or expecting it be a certain way or in a certain time when we can do that. Oh my goodness. It is the most, it is the most thrilling ride of life to be in that roller coaster kind of with God because he Mm -hmm. will blow you away every time. So lean into it, lean into the need, the neediness of it and go to him with it very simply and wait to see what he does. Awesome. Yeah. The tagline of my show is God's adventure awaits. And <laughs> it's an adventure. All right. It surely is. Now, some for some of us, uh, the desert is long. And certainly you detail that in your book. 
when we are waiting and waiting and this, uh, I, I know I've experienced this in my life, um, waiting for my daughter to get out of the NICU and saying, Lord, how many more surgeries will she need? How many more days? Every day felt like an eternity. And for you, trying to get your promise fulfilled of being a published author took years. So what do you do in the meantime when you're waiting for God? How does God send you that do? Oh, my goodness. That's the hardest part. Mm-hmm. That really is the hardest part is looking on the landscape and seeing absolutely nothing, no yes. consolation, no provision. That's the hardest part of it. But that's why it's so important to be in contact with him on a daily basis through the scriptures and in prayer because and through other people, because if mm-hmm. if we can do that, then he will give us the do that we need, the refreshment, the, the little bit of insight that's allows you to see just a small bit of what he's trying to accomplish or what he has accomplished in the past. If you can look Mm -hmm. back over what's happened in the past, you can sort of see the pattern. And once that happens, you're much more willing to cooperate with whatever comes next because you realize there's order, there's planning, there's, it's not arbitrary. It's not meant to just hurt it's meant to go someplace. And if you're, if you can cooperate with that, it makes the whole thing better. So the do comes every day and in increments that are just enough to help you take one more breath, just one more breath. And that's all you get. It's like that movie. I can't remember which of the, um, Indiana Jones movies it was, but he was standing at the cliff and he was supposed to take a step at the cliff, but there were there was no path. And mm-hmm. until he took the one step, he couldn't see the step in front of him. And he's standing in the middle of this canyon. But mm-hmm. it's exactly like that. God only gives you enough to get one more step, one more breath, but it really is enough. So mm-hmm. it's a daily, it's just a daily churn. It's just, and the other thing is you have to absolutely determine I am doing this no matter what. Mm. I will not be conquered. I love it. And before we go too much further as well, um, everything in your book parallels and is drawn from the journey of the Israelites in the desert, the 40 years of wanderings in the desert after they were um, uh, released from Egypt, after they crossed the Red Sea. And then no one in that generation of the Israelites entered the promised land. They made themselves unable to enter the promised land because even though they had been promised it, they were unfaithful to God. So everything in your book, when I say do, I mean D-E-W, meaning the manna from heaven that appeared every day uh, to sustain the Israelites in that time. And so God, we, we see this whole journey through God giving them their daily our daily bread, the manna that appeared every morning. But uh, I think it was so cool. There are so many, so many beautiful things I could draw out of it. One thing that struck me was that no matter how much everyone gathered, they only got enough manna for that day. And anything extra that they couldn't eat, that they didn't need would go moldy overnight. And it yep. was just... It was every single day, and and you never get past that reliance on God. Um, another That's thing that the struck whole point. Me, yes, and another thing that struck me that was so insane was that they were never more than a week's walk away from the promised land, but they yep. didn't enter. They so they were they weren't far, distance wise. It's not like they had this journey of miles and miles and miles to go, but it was really the interior state of their hearts that made them unable to enter the promised land. Oh, um, well said. Mm, yeah. So what, what can we learn from sort of the attitudes of the Israelites? Obviously, there's probably we could talk for 20 hours about this, but what can we learn from the actions of the Israelites, their distrust about for our own journeys as to what we are supposed to draw out of our, our desert wanderings? 
Well, first of all, it's natural. It's natural to panic. It's natural to get angry. It's natural to to murmur and complain and and just I'll just be honest. For me, <laughs> I just got so pissed off. I mean, I just got <laughs> to the point where I was yeah. so sick of being in the same needy position over and over and over again, nothing happening that I could see. Although that's not even really true. There were things that were happening, but it wasn't enough for me. It wasn't fast enough. It wasn't big enough. It wasn't enough, you know? And so I complained all the time, but the warning in the book of Hebrews there is if you don't learn this lesson, you will not make it to your promised land and you could forfeit heaven, which is the actual promised land altogether. Mm -hmm. So it is imperative that we learn how to navigate the desert and start to acclimate ourselves to the panic and and the deprivation and the darkness, the lack of consolation, all of that, and start to cooperate with it. Ninety mm. percent of our struggle with the desert is the resistance to it. Mm. If you stop resisting and start to cooperate, it goes much, much more quickly and much more easily. Mm. Okay, so what did that look like for you? I want to know, first of all, the how, how did you know? This is a question that comes up over and over again on my podcast. How did you know that God had promised you that you would be a published author? Because a lot of my listeners tune in because we talk about the calls that God puts on our lives. And the big question is, how do we know that we're actually called? How does God put a call on our life? So that's the first thing. And then second of all, uh, what, it, what was your journey? What was your lesson in the desert? How did you kind of get to your <sighs> promised land? Oh my I know goodness. Big question. I think, no, I think it was the I think that was the most beautiful thing that I finally came away with because in the beginning you're not sure. Yeah. And the whole point is this and Abraham did it, Moses did it, David did it, Joseph did it. You're not sure. You think you're crazy because nothing nothing is working out like you expected. Not only do you feel like you have this promise, but you're thwarted at every single turn. So it's like everything is working against and you start to question yourself. You're like, am I crazy? Did I imagine this? Mm -hmm. And and all I could do over and over and over again is go back to God and ask. And, and I did this because Abraham did it. He was constantly going back to God and going, are you sure? I'm, I'm just not seeing this. Are you sure? And God would give him something every time and, yes. and affirm the call and affirm the promise. So he did the same thing for me. I would go back and I'm like, are you sure? And what's mm. so beautiful about that whole journey, looking back on it is I tried so hard to, to get the promise. I thought it was something I had to work for. And it was, but not in the way I anticipated to begin with. I tried to beat every single door down. And when it, they would not open, I was so hurt and so frustrated and so angry that God was making fun of me, you know? And, yeah. and I got, I just, but when I finally surrendered, finally, and <laughs> just said, you know what? I am done. 
I am really done. It is clear I had this wrong. It's clear I can't hear you. It's clear I have no idea who you are or what I'm doing. So I'm done. And that's when he said to me, finally. And when I gave it up and I truly, really laid it on the altar, he said to me very clearly through the scriptures, you are never going to earn what is a gift. This is my gift to you, and you have tried to earn it all this time, but I will not be manipulated. I will not be obligated, and I will not be forced to give you what is a gift. Receive it or don't get it, basically. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm done. I don't even care now, you know? And then, like, I know it was no more than a month, but I would probably guess that it was less than a week. That's when it came. Wow. It was unreal. And so now what I know is that it was my promise all along, but he wanted me to be able to receive it and thrive in that promised land. And all of that time was formation and, and making me capable, helping me trust, making me know that no matter what situation I get into, he's going to provide. And whatever I don't get provided, I don't need it anyway how to take care of my family in the middle of all the busyness, all of that. It was all part of the learning process and knowing that it's a gift and I can't earn it, but God loves me and he wants me to have it. He always did. Yeah, that is incredible. I got chills. Um, you can't earn what is a gift. And certainly being faced with our own helplessness is terrifying. It is terrifying. And my listeners know that I have felt more helpless this year than I ever have before in my life. And I've always loved being independent, providing for myself, doing a good job, providing for my family. And we found ourselves in a position when my daughter was in the hospital where we could not provide for her. I couldn't even, I wasn't even allowed to pick her up because there were so many wires and tubes covering her body that I had to wait for a nurse to come and help me pick her up. And that cuts you off at the knees basically. Yeah. But on the other side of that is so much gratitude for the gift. Yeah, I've start, I started crying and tearing well, up too. I gotta get my handkerchief here. <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. No, it is true. And it it can't be earned. And I love that. I just want I just want to emphasize that and let that sink in for people because in our world of hustle and striving, do we have to work for our calls? Yes, but ultimately they are a gift. And I, I see that in so many different areas of my life as well. Me Not too. just this year, but also with my my Broadway career where I was striving and striving and striving in New York. And you had to had to learn to just take take a breath and let God help me on help me with that. There's so much more to say, but um you detailed this these two ways that God sort of leads us through the desert and teaches us. So he's going to give us manna every day in the form of just little, the day, the daily bread. Um, but then he's going to teach us what he's, he wants us to learn by the way of repetition and the way of the word. And these super fun pop quizzes that everybody loves. <laughs> right. <laughs> so what do those terms mean and how do we apply them in the deserts of our lives? Well, that was one of the things that when I read that passage in Hebrews, I was struck by that he said plainly there, they have not known my ways and they shall not enter my rest. And when I first read that, and I knew that it applied to me, but I was a little offended by it because I, I, I loved serving in the church. I loved it. I did everything I could possibly do, and I wasn't burned out, and I wasn't, I wasn't, um, 
I don't know. I wasn't burned out. I wasn't tired, you know? Mm -hmm. And so when he's Mm -hmm. leading us to this rest, I'm like, I don't need that, Lord. What what is happening? And he said, you don't know my ways and you shall not enter my rest. And I was like, oh my gosh, so ways. What are, God has ways. And not only that, but he expects us to know what they are. So I had to go back to the original account and watch the ways that God worked with his people and try to synthesize them into some sort of map for myself now you know i can see that it's also for other people but but for myself i had to just try to discern what are god's ways and the ways are the sufferings that we encounter if we look back over our lives what we'll see is that there's typically a pattern in them Mm -hmm. they are similar for the, the israelites they were similar in theme meaning they involved water food leadership, variety, and entertainment. God knows we need all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But it was the same lesson over and over and over again in different situations. And I started to notice that that was true in my life. My pop quizzes, which is what I call those, those circumstances or and or relationships that cause an emotional re-up, uh, eruption something and, and it's a little different for people who have trauma in their background because it's truly an explosion <laughs> it's an eruption but even for those of us who don't have something like that in our backgrounds those pop quizzes are the circumstances that we keep encountering over and over and we go why am i here again why, yes. what is this you know yes. and those are meant to get our attention so that we can work with the holy spirit in what he's trying to teach there for me mm-hmm. it was all about my father wound and learning that my anger which i thought was just me being a passionate person my anger was actually rooted in some very very deep woundedness and so mm-hmm. all of my pop quizzes had to do with that woundedness that father wound and my anger and i would i would hit a situation or or a relationship and and something would happen and i would just lose myself i could feel it coming out of my guts you know and i would just uh and so all of those sufferings then those pop quizzes that I, that i encountered and and when i say that they're not very frequent actually because mm-hmm. they're so volatile it takes a long time to process them and then learn from them and then recover Mm -hmm. before god gives you another one if they're true pop quizzes but then there Mm -hmm. are also those circumstances that just seem to repeat a lot either way Mm -hmm. god works in those repetitions he works in the patterns of our suffering and the patterns in our relationships and our circumstances so that's the one way is the way of the word i mean the way of repetition the second way is the way of the word which is listening for his voice on a daily basis through the scriptures god is speaking every single day to his church every day we wonder why we have no direction but it's because we're not listening Mm -hmm. we don't listen to him he is directing us he is giving us due every day he is telling us what what we can do to help uh cooperate with him he's telling us every day but if we're not listening to the readings of the church and reading them with with that ear we're missing it so Mm -hmm. we're out we're out trying to do it on our own flesh our own 
estimation of what is the right thing. And it's so wrong most of the time. Our ways are not God's ways. Our thoughts are not his thoughts. We have to get his perspective or else Mm -hmm. we're constantly working in our own flesh. And and it's just, that's not going to work. It won't lead us to the promised land for sure. So those are the two ways. That's awesome. And I do want to empower all of my listeners who haven't yet thought that picking up the Bible and reading it themselves is a way to actually hear God's word every single day. Because as a cradle Catholic, I don't know why, but I was never encouraged to do that the way that so many of my Protestant brothers and sisters are. And I know you have that in your background. You you uh, are a convert to Catholicism. And I love that now that I've really discovered this as a way of actually hearing God every day, there's no going back. <laughs> Amen, um, right? Yes. You, you cannot yeah. do without it. No. And maybe that means going to daily mass and hearing the scripture, but then you have to not only listen to the homily, but you have to also listen to the first reading and you have to actually sit with it and really enter into that intimacy with the Lord and allow him to speak. So it's not just kind of going to mass. Oh, I heard the word. Okay. Well, I didn't know if anything was really relevant. Well, were you really, really taking that time to actually listen after mass and sitting in quiet and setting aside an extra 15 minutes later in the day? Because that is, that's really where it, where it becomes very, very personal. And that's been hugely transformative. I've, I'll link to an episode in the show notes. Um, I did an episode of all about surrender and it was about, I included in there kind of a process of like learning to hear God's voice basically, which is not a one size fits all. But I know that if you do these things, if you read scripture, God will find you. He will speak to you because he wants to. Um, And how he does that is going to look a little bit different for everybody. But yeah, I just want to empower everybody who's not a regular Bible reader to actually just That's exactly why I gave love the Mm -hmm. word is to make it much more simple. And we don't have to really go searching through the Bible to try to find God. He offers himself to us every day in the readings of the church. So if you're reading those readings with with an ear to hear him, you're listening, observing, verbalizing and entrusting through those readings, which is a practice the church has encouraged for for millennia. But I didn't know that as a Baptist. I was like, I thought we invented that, you know, but Lectio (laughs) Divina is a is a practice an ancient practice of the church and it works because it uses all four temperaments the temperaments and personalities Mm -hmm. that that we have they're all four incorporated into Lectio Divina which I I kind of modified a little a little bit just the name really but not the process but the Mm -hmm. listening observing verbalizing and entrusting l-o-v-e love the word sit with the scriptures in that way Mm -hmm. every day for 40 days and watch your life be transformed Amen. Here's a really cool tidbit. So um, St. Therese is my favorite saint. She's my spiritual patron. I was just reading a book by Father Jacques Philippe about her. And here's a, she never owned a Bible. When she well, entered she the knew convent, the scriptures. she did. And here's how she knew them was because I, I assume it was because books were expensive and because of their vow of poverty. They each sister didn't own a Bible. I assume that's why she didn't have a Bible in the convent, but her sister, Celine, did have a Bible at their home because she was taking the care of their father before she entered the convent. And she would write passages that she thought Therese would like in her letters to her. And that's how St. Therese really sustained herself with the word. And I was like, she could do that without even owning a Bible. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. That's how powerful the word of God is. Yes, it is. And St. Therese wrote, um, you know, she's like, I read all these spiritual books. And sometimes she says, I'm so little, I can't understand them. I don't get it. You know, I try to read philosophy and I'm just, I can't do it. And she says, so I always return to scripture. I always return Mm. to the word of God. And she could do that 
with literally not even owning a Bible. It just blows me away. So I, I, just, I was so impressed by that when I read that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah. So for us who can go out and buy a Bible <laughs> for probably $20, <laughs> we have no excuse. Or get it free through the, the readings, Universalists or Laudate or whatever. You can get them free. Yes. Yes. And yeah, right. And you don't even have to pay any money. It just can come to you. And yeah, so we have no excuses. <laughs> um, yeah. So, okay. So we've got the way of the word, we've got the way of repetition. And through that, God is teaching us what's underlying that he wants us to get at. You know, I've, I've loved the expression, the problem is not the problem. Um, when I talk about, when my husband and I talk and we're having a fight about something, that the issue is not the issue. The issue is usually deeper than what we're actually talking about. So how do you actually get at that deeper issue when you're in the state of panic and you're in the state of deprivation and your mind is just going and going and you're so stressed? How do you get to that deeper issue and kind of figure out what that is that God is trying to heal? Well, partly it takes some discernment in mm -hmm. the patterns of your suffering. Okay. But the bigger thing, I think, is how are you feeling and what's underneath that? And if you go all the way back to the bottom, if you go to the bottom of a deprivation, mm -hmm. there are always one of three things, sometimes a combination, rejection, abandonment, worthlessness. Mm. That is what God is trying to get to all the way to the bottom of the soul, that place of rejection, abandonment and worthlessness, because that is what keeps us from moving forward all the time. That's always it. That fear is provoked in the desert because there is nothing. There's no consolation. There's no provision. You're going to die. You know you're going to die. If, if something doesn't happen, you're going to die. Mm -hmm. And when you get underneath the fear, if you can get underneath all the way to the bottom, it's always one of those three. Mm -hmm. And God wants us to confront those th things with him so he can show us what has caused that wound and how we have tried to cope with it for our entire lives. Mm -hmm. Perfectionism, OCD, um, overeating, overdrinking, all of those things we grasp at outwardly to try to cope with that feeling of worthlessness, rejection, or abandonment, some of them all at the same time, that's what he's after. And so the deprivations are meant to provoke that so that we'll go to him. And most of the time, we don't realize that's what's happening. We just see the problem. We see we need food. We see we need water. And we keep waiting on him to just give us the thing we need. But he's really after the worthlessness and the rejection and the abandonment. That's where he wants to meet us. So he provides those superficial things in order to nurture a relationship with himself so that he can start to address the deeper issues. Mm -hmm. So there's a shortcut. <laughs> and the shortcut is go straight to the worthlessness, abandonment, and 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 rejection. rejection. Deal with that with God, and you can skip all the other stuff because <laughs> that's really the issue. Yes, and I know it just so uh, we circle around and we circle around, and we just don't want to go there. It's so we don't. it's so unsafe. But it's it's <laughs> actually the safest place, though. Mm -hmm. We must go there because if we don't. 
we'll never make it to the promised land. That's the whole point of the the whole story of the children of Israel. If we don't go there with God, first of all, if we don't do it here, we'll do it in purgatory if we're lucky enough to make it that far. But if we don't do it, then we won't make it to the promised land. It, yeah. That is the warning of the entire Bible about that exodus. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Which I think cuts pretty deep if you're a person who is faithful, who really wants to serve God and love God, and but you're called to this next level of real, like, complete vulnerability with God. Absolutely. And that's yes. the thing he's after. And that's what the desert is for. It's meant to mm. bring us to that absolute end of ourselves, standing naked and vulnerable in the middle of the most painful wound we've ever received, allowing God to see it, allowing ourselves to feel it, allowing ourselves to admit it mm. and giving it to him for healing. That is the whole point and if we can't do that or won't do that we'll will the, the warning in the scriptures is that we wander for the rest of our lives in purposelessness and futility so if you're looking at your faith life and you have multiplied spiritual practices consecrations deliverance prayers adoration daily mass and and you're still purposeless purposeless and you're still feeling a futility in your faith, that's because you've been unwilling to do the deeper work. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What do you do with anger with God? When, when you, God's, uh, it feels like he's putting you through all these things and you're in your desert, you're not at that wound yet. You haven't found out mm. what that is, but God's leading you toward it and it feels pretty relentless and, it fe and it's super scary. What do you do with that anger that you feel against God? Well, in the beginning, in, place. in the beginning, I just threw up all over him. I mean, I just, I cussed, I screamed, I, I threw tantrums, I broke yeah. things. I mean, I just, I just let it all, I gave it all because I had learned that, that my aggression toward other people was inappropriate, clearly. Then I had to learn that that pretending I wasn't angry was just as sinful because you mm -hmm. stuff it then and it becomes depression and then it yes. eats away at you and it affects other people through that. Yes. So then I had to try to figure out, okay, well, how do I balance this? Mm -hmm. And, and in that process, what I learned that every single time, just like the children of Israel in the wilderness, every single time I accused him to his face, I would be so ashamed after I saw what he was doing in that. I was mm. so ashamed and I, I was so ashamed that I was, I never did it again. After a couple of times when I saw what he was doing through my suffering and how beautiful and, and just and how righteous it was, mm. I said, you know what? I'm never going to do this again. I, I'm going to be like Job. I am zipping my lips and I am not saying another word until I until the whole thing shakes out because I do not want to be guilty of accusing you of blaspheming God. I mean, that's really what I, I had done, mm. but it was because he's so tender and he's so, he's so tender. When you see the tenderness with which he is truly dealing with you, despite your sin and anger and accusation and cussing and all the stuff we do, this behavior, the self-medication and all of that, He's so tender. And when you see that, you're so ashamed 
to have been so ugly to someone who is so good to you. And so in the beginning, I just raged at God. Later, I learned how to, to sit with it long enough to to get some inkling of what was happening. Mm. And now I don't even, I don't even go there because mm. I know better. I know now it is frustrating, but mm. there are reasons why he allows those things. I know there are. And so yeah. I don't, I don't even go there anymore. It's not even a thing. Yeah. That is so hopeful. Thank you for going into that and, and detailing that for yourself, because I think like when we, feel that anger certainly for me i'll just i'll just use myself as, as an example when you when i feel that anger and i felt more anger sometimes than i really know what to do with and amen yeah and you don't see a way past it you don't see okay this is going to keep coming up and you can learn how to deal with it in a healthy way and you can learn that eventually when these things happen you're not always going to feel this angry you're not always going to you're not always going to go right to you must yep. hate me you're abandoning me you're leaving it me it does you end it does. That's the promised land. That's yeah. the rest. Yeah. You yeah. can go through something and you can, you can, it doesn't change anything on the outside, yeah. but you're completely at rest. That's the whole promise. Yes. Yes. To be able to receive an event that previously would have been traumatic and caused you to panic and to be able to receive that and say, I know it's going to be okay. And then it is. <laughs> it's miraculous. <laughs> it is. It is. And, and, you know, it's, uh, it, it, one of the things that blows my mind is, um, how often I forget to look back at the times when God has provided for me mm. and the times when I was, uh, railing against him for things that I wanted. And I look back and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I was, he was waiting to give me something better. The second I laid down my armor and then he did. And when I really call those things to mind, it it really helps erase all of that fear that God isn't going to provide or that he can't provide or that there couldn't possibly be a way out of this or that situation. You know, even, uh, gosh, I <laughs> this is kind of, I used to freak out when I was 25 because I wasn't, I hadn't met my husband, I wasn't married and I was discerning religious life. And my fear was, I'm wasting my time and mm. God is going to like, this time is going to be wasted. Like, what if I'm not called to be a nun? And then now I have to start from zero with somebody and I, I, I will have given away all these years to God and I'll never get them back. And then I'm going to be 27 before I meet someone. And then I'm going to have to date for three years. Then we're going to be engaged for another year. I'm not going to have kids until I'm at least 31. And all of these, you know, I had these timelines and I was like, God, you know, God doesn't control time. God couldn't possibly, um, you know, make time go backward to the point where I could still be a young mom. And I felt like the time was ticking away. Meanwhile, I'm so-called wasting time for God. But you know what was so beautiful was um, once I did figure out that I wasn't called, uh, about five months later, I met my husband. Five months after that, five months after we met, we got engaged. Pop, pop, pop. Nine months after that, I had... Uh, we, we got married. And then nine months after that, I had a baby. And then less than a year later, I had another baby. So here I was at like, a, I had all these timelines and I was like, I'm not going to have a baby till I'm at least 35. And there I was at 28 with two children. <laughs> yeah, and it's never wasted, but it's really no. hard to to trust that. Yes. Oh, and I yes, think it's, it it's harder for us who have that really, um, that really productive kind of mindset we, yes. <laughs> we feel inadequate if we're not producing you know if we're oh. not if we're not productive yes. then there's something wrong yes. and and when you have that kind of personality it's even more hard to to just not do 
Yes. But that's the point that he wants you to get to because yes. you're doing really works against him anyway. <laughs> yeah. It really does. I mean, yeah. we think we're doing all the right stuff. And the whole time you look back and go, oh, my gosh, I, I was the one wasting the time, not God. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's it's also hopeful and beautiful when you think of it. it's it's terrifying to confront it. But Beyond that, there's so much, so much hope. Uh, final question that I have. Uh, oh, we could talk for so long, but I we really just have time for one more question. You talked about um, disciplining your thoughts. And I love this so much because when we're in the desert, we're circling around, we're circling around the drain <laughs> of confronting our deepest fear. And um, when our thoughts are on these are only on the deprivations and only on the anger and the, the hopelessness and the fearfulness. It leads us to a lower faith instead of a higher faith. And so this, you know, just really, really resonated with me. And so many of us are, have been through a, a time of isolation in this last year, especially where we've kind of been shut off from our normal avenues of going to what gives us joy and hope and peace. And so we're shut alone with ourselves and the internet, basically some people. And so how do we discipline our thoughts? How do we actually keep our thoughts from just going in circles and, you know, spending an entire evening on YouTube and then realizing and looking back, Hey, that was, that was nothing. I, I wasted my time. Well, that answer is so complicated. That's why I actually did. Um, I'm doing the podcast series on freedom from anxiety because it has physical um, biological elements to it. It has mm -hmm. the the psychological and the, the mental elements to it. But the short answer is you just do. <laughs> we know that we have control over our thinking. Mm -hmm. Science mm -hmm. has proven that we know it without any shadow of a doubt. So if we get if we get embattled in the negative thinking, then it's because we've allowed ourselves to. Now, mm -hmm. there's a lot that goes to that. There's sometimes trauma. There's sometimes like legitimate ang anxiety issues and all of that we talk about in that series. Mm -hmm. But the short answer is we have authority in Christ over our thinking and our emotions and our behavior. And so if we continue to capitulate to the harassment of our thoughts and our emotions and our habits, the self-medicating habits and the destructive habits. If we continue to capitulate to those, we continue to be enslaved to them. And God does not want that for us. So we have authority in Christ to take that authority and to do battle there in our minds and in our emotions and in our behavior. And so yes. we don't have to sin. My point is we don't have to sin. Jesus has given the authority to us to not sin. Mm -hmm. and, and it's not a matter of do's and don'ts. It's, it's not even about that. It's about what's destructive and what's going to help you. If mm -hmm. it's destructive, it's sin in a sense. We think of sin as a right or wrong, a do or don't, a moral good or bad. But sin is destructive. It prevents you from being everything that God made you to be. And that's why he wants you to stop it. The cycles of negative thinking, the, the ruts of, of traumatic emotion, mm -hmm. the self-medicating behaviors. He wants us to stop that stuff because it destroys us. And so that's what he's calling us to throughout the desert. And that it's such a really long answer. I, I get into some of it in the book, mm -hmm. but I'm really fleshing it out in that series that I'm doing on freedom from anxiety. Amazing. Yeah. And you referenced another book, I think. Um, oh, my goodness. Maybe you're not going to remember which one it is. But I think there was uh, it, it was a it was a book about 
oh, not power of positive thinking, um, but uh, kind of how to like um, think. Oh, gosh. I think it was who switched oh. off my brain, probably. Yes. I want to go read that book. I do. Um, it's a great one. I, there's another one that I read. Have you read My Stroke of Insight by Jill Bolte-Taylor? No. Okay. It, it runs very close to what some of the things that you said, like the, our ability to literally reshape our brains. Yes. Our ability to neuroplasticity. Um, absolutely. Neuroplasticity. I, I speak about that in my talk uh, on self image. I love to share that with people because it's so hopeful that God gave us the ability to rewire these negative trains of thought and it takes time and it takes discipline, but it's not just the same as like, positive thinking where you stuff no, down all, you don't stuff down all of the negative things you actually rewire your brain it's a very and it's and you can do it in conjunction with god through prayer through I, I give surrendering them, it to him i give people tools specific tools throughout that book just rest mm -hmm, i give mm -hmm. you specific tools on how to do that with your thoughts yes. and your emotions mm-hmm Mm -hmm. Yeah. So everybody go get the book. <laughs> also, can they find your uh, series on anxiety? Is that on your show? Or That's on my website. That? Yeah. BibleStudyEvangelista.com. It's on radio stations too, but they're kind of scattered around. So. <laughs> okay. Wonderful. Okay. So I will, I will put a link to that in the show notes um, for everybody to go find that because there's so much to dive into. I just wanted to touch on it as a starting point um, because it, it fits into this entire picture that we've been talking about of finding rest. Um, so thank you so much for your, for your beautiful, exquisite work. And it's been such a pleasure to speak with you. I wish we could, I wish I had so much more time um i know so, i wish we lived closer because we we could really yeah. we could go to dinner and spend a whole night you well, know let's do it virtually how about that i'd love that yeah <laughs> i yes, would love let's that let's do it let's do it thank well, you for sharing me with your coffee. audience and and i appreciate the invitation very much i feel like i've Absolutely. made a friend oh likewise very much um and i'm just so excited to put this out to the world I know you have a lot of choices of podcasts to listen to, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Called and Caffeinated today. If you would take a minute and drop me a review on Apple Podcasts, I would be so, so grateful. It does help the show get seen by more eyes. And feel free to come on over to stacysummerow.com and drop me a line with your question. I love doing Q&A episodes, as well as asking your questions to my expert guests. So until next time, may God bless you, and we'll see you around for coffee.